This is The World in 10 for Tuesday, the 15th of November. I'm Richard Newman. And I'm Sonal Patel. World leaders gather for the G20 summit in Indonesia, with the war in Ukraine the focus. That means tackling the suffering that Russia aggression has unleashed, not just in Ukraine people, but the people around the world, particularly food insecurity. In her son, a significant gain for Ukraine and a bold promise. We're ready for peace, but our peace for our country is all our country, all our territory. We start at the G20 summit in Indonesia, where world leaders have been gathering for the first day of discussions. And despite the pomp and ceremony as they arrived in Bali for the customary photo opportunities, the tone is very serious. In a video address, the Ukrainian president, Volodymyr Zelensky, has told leaders to come up with a plan to end Russia's invasion of his country, saying he's convinced the war can be stopped. President Zelensky referred to the summit as the G19, apparently because he does not consider Russia to be a part of it. Vladimir Putin is not there, so Moscow's foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov, is attending instead. Although no camera feed was allowed inside the hall after the welcome ceremony, the UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak addressed delegates and described the war in Ukraine as barbaric, with Mr Lavrov there listening. Mr Sunak has criticised what he called the weaponization of energy and food, which he described as unacceptable. Meanwhile, Joe Biden's promise there will be no new Cold War after talks with his Chinese counterpart Xi Jinping before the summit started. He believes Beijing has no plans to invade the self-governed island of Taiwan, which China regards as its own. It was clear, he was clear and I was clear, that we'll defend American interests and values, promote universal human rights, and stand up for the international order and work in lockstep with our allies and partners. We discussed Russia's aggression against Ukraine, reaffirmed our shared belief in the threat or the use of nuclear weapons is totally unacceptable. And I ask that Secretary Blinken travel to China to follow up on our discussions and continue keeping the lines of communication open. The G20 summit continues tomorrow. While Volodymyr Zelensky's appearance at the G20 summit was virtual, in her son it was very real and a defining moment. Crowds chanting armed forces of Ukraine as its commander-in-chief arrived to a hero's welcome. This is the beginning of the, of the end of the war. Of course, you see our strong army. We are step by step coming to our country, to all the temporary occupied territories. To many in Kherson, this is the moment that seemed to confirm the city was Ukrainian again. What next? Not Moscow. <laughs> we are not interested in territories of another country. We're interested only in the occupation of our country, of our territory. While celebrating the Russian retreat, Zelensky also acknowledged the heavy price paid by Ukrainian forces and by allegations of war crimes committed by the city's Russian occupiers. Ashkol Krushelnitsky is The Times reporter in Ukraine. There's already people coming forward with accounts of being taken away to underground cells where they were tortured and they could hear other people being beaten. Russia still claims her son as its own. For those living there, the Russian occupation was tough. 
we saw uh, how the flag was rising by our people and we, we, were, we were just crying. Olga Fedrova is an English teacher in the city. Instead of leaving like many did, she stayed behind enemy lines for the eight and a half months of Russian occupation. All this time we were like um, in prison. With her son newly liberated, the Times' Ashkol Krushenitsky says thoughts are turning to Crimea. I've spoken to officers and politicians who, preceding this um, liberation of, of the Kherson area, had said that they hoped to be at least at the Crimean border by the end of this year. In the city, meanwhile, people are returning to forgotten routines. And at a church service, many felt like their prayers were being answered. You're listening to The World in 10 from The Times of London, analysis and insight into global events all in just 10 minutes. Coming up, the world's population hits 8 billion and an 11-year-old British boy beats Stephen Hawking and Einstein in an IQ test. We had a big day today and don't let those cheaters and crooks think anything different. The voice of Carrie Lake last week, one of the most high-profile Republican candidates in the US midterm elections, who's projected to have lost her race to become governor in Arizona to the Democratic candidate Katie Hobbs. The result is already being seen as a rejection of Donald Trump's potential political comeback. Miss Lake, a former TV news anchor, has been repeating the former president's unproven claims of voter fraud two years ago. It's a key win for the Democrats, which had already retained control of the Senate after a better-than-expected campaign in what's seen as a battleground state for the 2024 presidential election. Speaking after her victory, Miss Hobbs said democracy is worth the wait a week after voters went to the polls. The UN says the world's population has hit eight billion. And India is likely to pass China on the world's most populous country by 2023. India's cities are bursting at the seams and struggling to cope. Tens of thousands already live in cramped slums, like Parvina. This is our small house and five, six people live here. There is no regular supply of electricity, water, and the sewage system is bad. But while India is growing exponentially, China's population will actually start shrinking from next year. Tang Huajan's a software developer. He says he and his friends are only planning to have one child, mainly down to the cost of childcare. For many families, the grandparents are either too old or too far away, so they have to hire nannies to take care of the kid. This means that the cost would be really high even when the child is very little. So this is one of the main reasons people don't want to have children. Another reason is that many of us get married very late, and it's hard to get pregnant at this age. I can't be too sure, but I think getting married late will definitely have an impact on births. It's hard to calculate the number of people in the world accurately, and the UN admits its sums could be out by a year or two. To sport and local media are reporting that the 21-time Grand Slam tennis champion Novak Djokovic has been granted a visa to compete at the Australian Open in January. He was deported from Melbourne earlier this year because of his COVID vaccination status. On the court, Djokovic has made a good start at the season-ending ATP finals. John Jackson has more. The ATP tennis finals are well underway in Turin, Italy, and Novak Djokovic looks in fine form. 
The Serbian continued his personal dominance over Stefanos Tsitsipas with a straight sets win on Monday. That's his ninth victory in a row over his Greek opponent. Earlier, Andrei Rublev battled back to defeat fellow Russian Daniel Medvedev in three sets, while Spain's Rafa Nadal and Norwegian Kasper Ruud were victorious on the opening day on Sunday. The top eight ranked men's players make up the annual end-of-season event, with the same number of teams competing in the doubles. The finals will take place on Sunday with over two million US dollars on offer for the singles winner, added to by a healthy sum for victories as the competition progresses. Should one player remain unbeaten, they'll take home just over 4.7 million US dollars. To the United States now, a comedian and talk show host Jay Leno's been left with serious burns after one of his cars burst into flames in the garage of his home in Los Angeles. The former host of The Tonight Show suffered injuries to his face and hands. Leno is known for his love of collecting cars. The 72-year-old was apparently working on one of them when the fire started. The cause of it is not yet known. In a brief statement, he said he was doing okay and needed a week or two to recover. He's cancelled his engagements for the rest of the week. And finally, an 11-year-old boy from Yorkshire in England has achieved the highest possible IQ score for an under-18, beating geniuses like Albert Einstein and Stephen Hawking. Yusuf Shah got 162 in the Mensa test, which he took after his friends at school commented on how smart he is. It's thought Professor Hawkins scored 160, while Albert Einstein's believed to have achieved the same, despite never officially taking the test. And how did Yusuf celebrate? The same way many schoolboys would, with a family meal out at a popular chicken restaurant. And that's your World in 10 for Tuesday, the 15th of November. This podcast from The Times is brought to you in partnership with Google Podcasts.